On podcast 1943, big battery Mercedes plug-in hybrids, Electrify America admits the old hardware's got to be ripped out, and Neo's EL6 hits the roads in Europe. Plus, stay tuned for the story of the $2 Tesla taxi. But first, the Mercedes-AMG GLE 53 hybrid is coming in 2025. We've got two years' notice of this one, but it's going to come as a plug-in hybrid. The GLE 53, whether you're looking at the SUV or the coupe variant, are getting a big electrical makeover. And I want to talk about this because I'm interested in where plug-in hybrids will end up. 134 horsepower electric motor and 0 to 60 in 4.6 seconds. So great specs on that. 536 horsepower. All the power you need in an AMG GLE. 53 but you and i care about the electrical bits right so it does add some weight because the battery is 31.2 kilowatt hours adding a bit of heft to the gle but it can take it now i always like to reflect back on the renault zoe that we owned which had a 22 kilowatt hour battery so this one half as big again in a plug-in hybrid yeah of course you can draw the comparisons with the gle 450e which you might be familiar with now that is rated at 38 miles per charge on a 23 kilowatt hour battery. So the GLE 53's hybrid battery, when it comes out in a couple of years' time, 31.2 kilowatt hours, will exceed that. In simple terms, you're looking at least 40 miles of range on a quick, luxurious, very heavy, big Mercedes. 40 miles of range on a plug-in hybrid, and it'll go up to 87 miles an hour on electrical power alone. It DC fast charges, got the CCS2 socket in Europe here on the side of it. And so you can, if you want to, go to a, a, a fast charging station and get really decent speeds. Now, my friend Kyle from Out of Spec has been testing this recently. I think he's got 60-something kilowatts on a plug-in hybrid. What do you think about plug-in hybrids if they have big batteries decent range, DC fast charging that isn't an embarrassment. Would you mind if you turned up to a DC fast charger and you had a plug-in hybrid ahead of you? Would that bother you? Well, charging options are flexible, just like the GLE 450. The GLE 53 hybrid will have that 60 kilowatt peak charge speed and 11 kilowatt onboard AC charging. So yeah, it's a vehicle that's a couple of years away, but it inspired my tiny brain to think about what is the perfect size for a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid battery over the next few years, the decade or so that we're in this transition phase? If you really, really want to go hybrid, I think that's a pretty cool spec because you're nearly always going to be running in electric mode. It helps the performance and it charges really quickly on DC fast charging. I like that, actually. It wouldn't be for me. I like full electrics, but I can see why that would be popular with some people now let's talk chevy and this has been a funny old week because every day there's been little more bits of nuggets of news creeping out obviously it was their earnings this week and so we had some big news earlier this week but now we can talk about the blazer ev yesterday mentioning the equinox is being pushed back a bit now we can talk about more details we had these last week as well rounding out the blazer and the blazer ev and all of the various trim details some of this we knew some we didn't so the 2LT all-wheel drive will be $56,715, and the range on that is 279 miles EPA. You can go the all-wheel drive, stay all-wheel drive, but get the RS version, and yeah, you'll play 60 grand, but get the same mileage, 279 miles of range. But if you want the rear-wheel drive option... 
they got you covered. For $62,000, you get that 320 miles of range. That's definitely the headline figure, the 320. Keep an eye out for that because that's the one coming soon, right along with the 2LT all-wheel drive. So that will be one that we're very interested in. Big range on the Blazer rear-wheel drive RS. And for those that want the Sporty SS trim, I think production still pegged for 24, spring 24. I told you that last week as part of a different set of announcements. So the Blazer EVs are around, so they say. In the third quarter, they delivered 19 of them. Now, I couldn't clarify whether they got those 19 to dealers or those 19 Blazers to real customers who are currently driving them around, listening to EV News Daily, of course, and... Uh, I'd love to know more about if you see one on the roads, especially if you know somebody or you are somebody with a blazer. Heck, get in contact. They are as rare as hen's teeth right now. Not just another model for GM. The blazer is such a best-selling nameplate, a legacy name as well. But there's so little between the combustion and the EV versions of the blazer. With hiking prices and scrapping the base trim, the Blazer EV becomes even more so of a premium vehicle and therefore won't be dominating the sales charts in the way that you know a Model Y would, for instance. Now, let's talk Electrify America upgrading 600 chargers in California. Big investment announced. They're setting the bar high, they say, on their Cycle 4 regional investment plan. So that is a refurbishment of 600 charging units in 130 Californian cities. So they kicked off their journey by putting in those charges in cycle one back in 2018, cycle one, cycle two, back five years ago. Fast forward, and those charging stalls are showing their age. Wear and tear is what Electrify America say. Look, they're out in all weathers, but it's California. So if you've got a bit of shade over you, it's not going to be harsh like a like a Hawaii, for instance, like an island, you've got sea air, you've got it being attacked from all angles. But still, they say after five years, they've got to get this hardware out of the ground and put new stuff in because the old stuff is just not reliable enough. I'm glad Electrify America are talking about reliability, not burying their head in the sand or trying to just ignore the conversation that really EV drivers are having. And for these new Gen 4 chargers, there's talk of a custom redesign for EA. They say they want to do the screens better, make them just more intuitive, uh, longer 18-foot cables, better remote diagnostics to keep their network at a higher state of reliability. I don't know where these new Gen 4 features are going into these Californian sites, but once the operations are enhancements are up and underway, they'll have spent $800 million in California alone on charging over the last decade. So yeah, it seems crazy. These charges are you know, five years old now, and yeah, reliability is an issue, and they've got to rip it out and Start again. Now, let's talk about the Neo EL6. It's only called the EL6 because it's Europe. Now, it's hitting our roads, and uh, the Chinese heavyweight Neo, really, one of the most famous names in Chinese EVs, is now getting these cars into customers' hands. For those that might be a little confused by the name switch, the vehicle goes uh, by the name ES6 elsewhere, well, in China, actually. And so that's what the car is, the ES6. Uh, However, 
because of a legal tussle with Audi, who said, well, we have the S6, the combustion S6, and if we did go EV, we might call it the ES6, and the courts agreed, and so Neo went with EL6. So not just another vehicle in their lineup. It's their bestseller since its debut budget-friendly SUV offering, now in its second generation, Open for pre-orders back in May, made a big splash, an astounding 30,000 orders in just a three-day window. Fast forward to July, Neo's own monthly sales records of 10,000 units of the ES6 being delivered were smashed. But the European drivers, like I say, uh, will have to call it a different name, and uh, the first... European EL6 driver uh, got their keys two days ago on Tuesday. Also rolling out the ET5 Touring. That's the wagon, the estate. And what's special about it? Well, it's the first ever electric station wagon from them. Crafted with European preferences in mind, and I see loads of people driving the MG5. I like the 5, by the way, but some of them say, well, it's the only electric estate I could get, and I needed the space, I needed a wagon. Well, now some competition from another Chinese company. Earlier this month, Europe got a taste of EVs from NIO with the ET5. That's the sedan, and that brand is going from strength to strength overseas. Now, let's talk a little bit about LG's Arizona battery facility targeting series production of cylindrical cells of the 46 variety. Let me tell you more. Uh, They are looking at uh, LG Energy Solutions, LGES, announcing yesterday after unveiling their Q3 financial performance, uh, that they will have a growing appetite for cylindrical cells, the 46 series. So again, Tesla took about 46... 80, 46 millimetres, 80 millimetres. They're just the dimensions, nothing to do with the chemistry of what's inside these. But uh, Youngsu Kwon at LG says, and giving us a bit more insight into their strategy, uh, pointing out, in response to constantly evolving and diversified market needs, we will secure differentiated production competitiveness across all segments, ranging from premium and mainstream to affordable. So, I mean, that's... Pretty bland statement saying that the market is changing, but we're going to invest and be where we need to be. But LG want to be a front runner uh, with their clientele of these cylindrical cells. The Arizona facility was originally on track to turn out 2170s or 2170. Some people call them that sometimes with a yearly capacity of 27 gigawatt hours. However, LG is switching gears and looking at the 46 series. Again, it's a different form factor. It's different size. Yes, it does align with Tesla and their 46 80s uh, looking to kickstart production at the end of 2025. And uh, let's talk a little bit about, oh, I'll take a quick break. Then we'll talk the EU cleaning up with heavy duty vehicles. I love this piece of announcement because it's just going to help the air quality so much. Stick around back in a sec. Hey, you get the ad-free version of this podcast by signing up on Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash evnewsdaily. Get your own unique link to get an ad-free feed. Now, what about a $2 Tesla taxi? Well, this new service is revving up in downtown Tampa. Dash Tampa is the new kid on the block offering a taxi service that's all about Tesla vehicles in downtown Tampa. And if you have $2, it's all it takes for a Dash driver to pick you up and drop you off 
at any one of the 20 hubs. This is described as micromobility. When I hear micromobility, I'm thinking scooters, little ride-on scooters, electric bikes. Didn't think about big model Ys being micromobility. But these are short journeys. If you want to hop from hub to hub to hub, very short journeys, microtransit, if you like, alongside e-bikes and e-scooters in terms of convenience. Well, for $2, Dash Tampa will do that in style as well, in a Tesla, which is very, very cool. They're strategically planned hub locations around downtown destinations. So they say it's always near where somebody wants to travel from or to. You download the app, find a nearby hub and book a ride. Six of them on the road right now. Uh, Six of the Dash taxis. More coming. Typical wait time, five to ten minutes, they say. Now, let's finish off by talking about the Environment Committee of the European Parliament has endorsed the targets that were passed their way from the European Commission and the heavy-duty vehicles particularly being uh, focused. In a bold move, they proposed a 70% reduction in emissions, stepping up from what was suggested to them by the European Commission of 65%. Uh, The Environment Committee went even further Huge pressure, unbelievable pressure from the fuel and oil sectors. The committee chose to not adopt what was called the carbon correction factor, which would have allowed for renewable liquid fuels like biofuels, like e-fuels, which take a huge amount of electricity to create. And in the end, still emit, by the way, they just because it doesn't come from oil, um, they still emit. And because they have CO2 emissions the European Environment Committee, said that they would not allow them to be some sort of a loophole under the so-called carbon correction factor. They said, no, we're not having that. Uh, E-fuels and synthetic fuels still emit, therefore we can't take them into account. The decision by these lawmakers marks another refusal to, to bow down to the oil industry, to dilute the climate objectives for particularly commercial vehicles and trucking is what we're talking about here. And the advocacy for this loophole for biofuels and e-fuels comes from a desire in many in the combustion industry and the oil industry from the existing fleets uh, to maintain a demand for traditional fuels and somehow move away from the current system to one that looks exactly the same as it, but with synthetic fuels. But like I say, enormously inefficient to produce and just drive on electric power. It's like four times more efficient. So great news there. The lawmakers are not bowing down to this huge pressure that's being put on them by many powerful forces uh, in industry there. That takes another step forward to becoming enshrined. Well, that's our podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.